When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Powered by Riverside. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. We are recording the night after the Sixers' first regular season game against the Boston Celtics. Chris, Uriah, how y'all feeling? Uh, you know, could be better. Not the best opening night of all time, but. Yeah, pretty good overall. New Tobias Harris. Catch and shoot. Not even thinking. I love it. It's the only bright spot for me. Hmm. Yeah, yeah that's, so. that's, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, let, let's talk about it. 126-117. Mm-hmm. Boston winning. That's the final score. Game really wasn't as close as that makes it seem in the second half. They were tied at halftime. Then Boston ran away with it. Lucas, 35 points apiece for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They looked quite good. Malcolm Brogdon had 16 off the bench. Grant Williams had 15 off the bench. On Philly's end of things, 35 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists for James Harden on 14 shots. Pretty good. Um, 26 and 15 boards for Joel. 21 for Maxi. 18 points, 3 steals for Tobias Harris. Let's go with a surprise first what surprised you most in this game the terrible defense to be honest with you chris like the 35 points for two all-stars each that was only the third time that has ever happened on an opening night in nba history and we've been in the league for 40 sorry 76 years now like it's that's ridiculous the defense especially in the second unit looked terrible and Uriah, you're going to love me saying this, but I, I think it's clear that they need to play Thibel more. Like the man-to-man defense is just not there. All right. Don't, don't, don't throw him bait this early in the podcast, Lucas. I have to, though. I have to. He speaks truth, Christopher. He speaks um, truth. Okay. Fair, fair fair, surprise. The defense was awful. Now, why was the defense awful? Leads perfectly into my personal surprise, which is the fact that Joel Embiid was complete garbage in this game. Uh, not really sure what happened there. Like, it, it's game one. I'm not panicking or anything. It's But, like, like Joel just didn't show up to play. I, I don't know what the case is. Uh, you know, like, defensively, he was truly terrible in this game. Like, a lot of the Sixers' defensive issues could be traced back to Joel just not giving any effort. Maybe it's because he was so frustrated on offense. Obviously, Boston is a very good defensive team. They brought a lot of double teams, threw a lot of limbs around him, and really flustered Joel. He turned the ball over six times um, to counteract his five assists. and He, 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 just pro- he not... probably should have had more turnovers than that, to be honest, Chris. Yeah. Let's be real. He, he did, just did not handle pressure well. Philly, I, I don't know... Who exactly deserves what share of the blame for Philly, like, forcing the ball to Embiid, posting up 18 feet from the rim so often? But especially against a defense as good 
and dynamic as Boston's, that's just not the best form of offense, especially when James is cooking to the degree that he is. There are easier ways to get Joel shots. Work the pick and roll with James more. I was about to say, we barely saw that. We saw a lot of iso ball, not a lot of pick and roll, which I'm not like, not a lot of off ball movement. Like there just wasn't, Chris. And I agree with you. I think that's terrible. So, Joel was pretty clearly frustrated at different points with the spacing and where guys were standing around him. But, like, back to the basket, 18 feet away with Horford on you and two defenders coming in, that's just not good basketball for Philly. Mm-hmm. We saw a couple of easy points for Joel rolling to the rim with James. Like, like do that more often. Get Joel moving towards the rim, or Joel just has to fight to establish deeper post position. I, I think some of it's on Joel for just not fighting hard enough for position. And some of it is on Doc, who just needs to recalibrate their priorities on offense. Because Joel is a brilliant individual scorer, and you want to force him the ball, but you just have to do it in better spots. They're just better and easier ways to get Joel his points. So, I I mean, I was like genuinely pretty upset with Joel in this game. Like his body language was not good. Like, like we want to talk about leadership and getting Philly over the hump. As great as Joel is individually, body language has been an issue in the past. Like, he needs to carry himself better when he's frustrated. I I do think part of the reason he was so bad on defense is probably the fact that he was super frustrated about the offensive side of the ball. So, he just needs to carry himself better and not let those things bring him down. Um, So, yeah, I mean, mean, Joel is a big reason why Philly didn't win this game. He, He was pretty bad especially by his high standards. So it's only game one. No reason to panic. Joel can't go full throttle every game. But if you want to lead the best defense in the NBA and win defense player of the year, like you've been talking about all summer, you have to, like, try on defense, you know? So that, that just has to be better. You know, we, we're butchering – I do want to point out here, we are butchering Joel right now for his poor defense and his turnovers. But the guy still came away with 26 points, 15 rebounds on really efficient shooting from the field and foul line. Now, three-pointers were kind of – were not great, but we don't really need that. But, my, like, we're saying that he was terrible. He still had an MVP-level, like, scoring and rebounding game. Like, just if he could clean this up, the Sixers would be pretty hard to beat, I think. Yeah, like Joel, Joel's still a very special talent, obviously. And a bad yeah. Joel game is better than a whole lot of players' best nights. But, like, hmm. a lot of those points came in the fourth quarter. He was really bad in the first half. Like, he got better as the game oh, yeah. progressed. So that credit yeah. to him for not, like, totally tanking it after the first half. But, um, yeah, and look, the defense isn't all on him. James Harden and Tyrese Maxey are two weak defenders still who – had a lot of problems. And to be fair, these game. were two of, the, two of the best ISO scorers in the game in Tatum and Brown. Well, Tyrese wasn't guarding either of those guys, and he still had a lot of yeah. problems. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So, Lucas, how much of this sluggish start do you attribute to Rust? I mean, it's the first game of the regular season. This team. You have Want, Tucker, House, surprisingly, Harrell, and Melton. So that's four new rotation players out of like a pretty much a nine-man rotation. That's almost half your rotation. So you're, it's going to take time for these pieces to mesh and gel a little bit more. Um, 
And so I think part of it's rust, but also like Boston's a really good defensive team. And in a way we should be pretty happy that we were able, able to get 17 on them. But like, you know, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. um, I think part of it is rust. Part of it is just lack of, you know, chemistry. And then part of it was Boston has a really good defense. I'm not Boston's one of the favorites to win the NBH title. Like, yeah. They're going to yeah. be. Yeah. So, yeah, look, yeah. Boston might be the best team in the NBA. They have the best defense in the NBA. It's Even without egregious. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not egregious to lose to Boston. And it's opening night. Like you said, this team is going to look way different 81 games from now. Opening night hardly ever means anything substantial. So it's not at all a reason for panic. If anything, the fact that James dropped 35, 8, and 7 on 14 shots should like have people over the moon like that's awesome i, I think that's better mm-hmm. than any of us would have expected going into this game after what yeah was this this was this looked like vintage Harden, and i had honestly believed he wasn't there anymore now is this to say he's going to continue to do it i don't know but it was nice to see him do it in this game yeah and he definitely got i i he got fouled on a few three-pointers but i think also he probably got the whistle once or twice too like he had 12 foul shots like that's that's a lot of foul shots. Um, so, yeah. you know, don't expect that. But even let's say we take away those twelve brief shots, he still had twenty three points on fourteen shots. That's still really good. Yeah, one hundred percent. James was was awesome tonight. He was the best player on the floor for Philly. Um, Maxi and Tobias looked good too. Yeah, Maxi was good. Tobias was good. PJ was good. Like individually, a lot of the key guys were really good outside of Joel. So mm-hmm. there were definitely positives to take away from this game. I, and... I will. I will say. I wish that they kind of involved. I wish Maxi was involved even more in the offense than what he was. Absolutely. Um, so I, I look. Russ is definitely a part of it but it was also the first game of the season for boston and again like not to keep ribbing on joel but like he just clearly didn't show up for whatever reason and when your best player doesn't show up that's naturally going to limit your ceiling in a given game so um yeah as far as the bench goes like here's here's my thing with montrez here is i think the best way to look at it super fun great offensive player in a vacuum Montrez is really good against bad teams, but when you're playing the Bostons of the world, you should probably go with Paul Reed. I, I think it's pretty simple. Like, Montrez is just going to get played off the floor by the really good teams. Um, like, Milton, five points. House, Niang, not not a lot going for the bench in this game in general. Obviously, I think Montrez stood out as, like, the worst element, but – a lot better nights. I'm I'm very confident in Melton and House in general. We know that Niang can have big nights. I'm really not worried about the bench. Your uh, Seibel point, I understand it. Like especially uh-huh. in this game with Tatum and Brown going off specifically, I, I I would get the justification for trying him out. But like Tucker didn't do a terrible job on Tatum. Melton and House are both very good defenders. Like sometimes those guys just hit absurd shots. Tatum hit a lot of absurd shots. So did Jalen. It happens. And like this was the this was the um Bill Russell night. So yeah, certainly and look, they probably felt something a little uh, special special to get that game win, right? The main core issues of Philly's defense, which is giving up easy dribble penetration and open threes, 
that's been the MO. That's been an issue since Ben Simmons. It was an issue last year when Thibel was starting. I, I don't think this is a one-player missing issue. I don't think Thibel would have solved all of Philly's problems. I think it's more of a team defense issue. I think it was especially bad with Joel. Again, just, just not really showing up and playing pretty lazy defense in the middle. That makes things harder on, on everyone else. So, well, well, let me ask you this, because we've been playing drop coverage in the pick and roll since Joel's gotten there. We know Joel has a lateral foot speed to keep up on a switch. Should the Sixers start switching more instead of doing drop coverage on defense? Yeah, I, 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 it's, it's a valid question. Like, I don't know if you really want Joel switching onto Jalen Brown on the perimeter. I, I don't know if that's the best situation for you defensively. Um, it does but like, like Boston, they're going to kill you in the mid range thing. Cause that's exactly what happened. Absolutely. And again, like that's, that's just not a Matisse Thibel issue. That's a defensive philosophy issue. And it'd be easier if they had better defensive personnel on the perimeter, like Maxie and Harden probably have to step it up defensively as well. Tobias, like those guys have to play better too. So it's, it's not just the Joel issue. If anything, it's the personnel around Joel, you know. But we just got, we got guys like Melton and House to and Tucker to stop this from happening, but it, it didn't seem to stop it yeah, at all. Well, look, you're closing games with James Harden and Tyrese Maxey, for example. So no matter how great your bench defense is, you, your closing lineup has James Harden and Tyrese Maxey. Those guys have to be able to hold up. So, well, and here's the thing that I saw a lot. You ended up getting a lot of matchups where Harden was guarding – um, Tatum in the mid post and Tatum was able to get these mid range jumpers right over Harden. But like, this is why I don't like switching nowadays, but that's just me. Um, <clears throat> like Tobias and, yeah, yeah. and, and Tucker should have been able to handle the, like should have done a better job than what they did against these guys. That's all I'm yeah, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, and part of it at the end of the day is just Jason Tatum is an MVP caliber player. He's awesome. He's going to hit difficult shots. You're not going to be able to stop him from scoring 35 every night. But, yeah, the defense as a whole, Embiid, the perimeter guys, all of it just, just was not very good. This is a team that is going to have to play good defense to win a championship. It can't be all offense. The offense, I have no concerns long term. This is going to be a really good offensive team. They have four awesome offensive players anchoring this group. I, I have no real long-term issues with the offense. It's, it's yeah. the defense that they're definitely going to have to figure out. Like, offensively. Like, we scored 117 against yeah. a Boston defense. Like, that's really good. The chemistry with Joel and James isn't quite there yet. They need to do a better job of spacing around Joel. They have to get Joel easier looks, etc. But, like, the offense is going to be fine, even if it is just James, Joel, and Tyrese like taking turns, it'll be a good team offensively. The, the defense is really what has to be better after this game. I, I, I think that's the big lesson for me, Lucas, but do you have any other lessons that you think the team should learn from this? Well, loss? I, I just, I wrote about it earlier today. If you're going, you cannot play Harold and Niang. They're both undersized for big guys. And then on top of, so they, they give up rebounding in, in rim protection. And then on top of that, and I think you wrote this in your article that they, they have bricks for feet, so they can't really switch on the perimeter that well either and guard the perimeter that well. So if you're going to play Harold, you're going to have to put him next to Tucker. 
You cannot put those two together. And then if you're going to do Niang, either Joel or uh, Reed. I think it's just easier if you go with Reed in, in most matchups. So, but that's just me. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Look, Montrez Harrell is going to look, again, really good against the Charlotte Hornets, but against Boston and Milwaukee and Golden State and those teams, Harrell's just going to look bad. Like, I'm just prepping everyone for that. He, he is not a good player against the elite offensive and defensive teams. And it's just, those are the Paul Reed matchups. You can live with Harrell feasting on a bad team on, like, a random Tuesday, but in the high-leverage matchups... You're just going to have to go to Paul Reed because he can play defense and he can move his feet and he's bigger. So that's my stance on the the backup center thing. I, I just think this is a matchup where you have to do Paul Reed because Montrezl Harrell is not going to do well against Boston. It's just never going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So I was talking to I was talking to a good friend this morning about the game. He's been a lifelong Sixers fan longer than I have. He's he's retired, but. We watch every game and we talk about it afterwards. And he's growing tired of of Embiid's sulking. Chris mentioned it earlier, body language. But the one thing that I wish the team would learn, I mean, you can't control attitude. Like, that's all on him. But in terms of fundamentals, the one thing I wish that Embiid would learn is handling the ball better, whether it's in the post whether it's a simple backcourt pass to his point guard, you know, no underhand, you know, lazy, loosey-goosey pass that gets intercepted. You know, it's just like that drives me wild. But the one other thing I want to mention, and I doubt anyone's going to be able to get get through to him with this, is he's not a guard. I think I've said it once or twice in the past, but when he's out on the break, it's okay, Embiid, to just give it up. Give it up to someone who's lower to the ground, someone who has more adroit skills at dribbling, because it's those types of plays. I'm thinking, why hasn't he learned to take care of the ball better or make better decisions in transition? So that that's the one lesson I, I wish that that he would learn as the season moves forward. That's fair, and I, I agree. I think that maybe he needs to. St- just keep his dribbles down to a bare minimum. That goes to post posting up position as well, getting closer to the block. But on that note, let's go ahead and switch gears. All right, so Chris, we talked about the Sixers last game. Let's talk about the next game now. So let me ask you this, Chris. The next game is against the Bucks tomorrow, Thursday. How do they match up against Milwaukee? Yeah, I mean, like, assuming, like, Joel wakes up from his nap, I, I, I think they match up pretty well. Obviously, Joel has guarded Giannis as well as anyone in the past, and that's the big key matchup there. I don't know how much of that one-on-one matchup we'll see in a regular season game this early on in the season, but they they match up pretty well, and vice versa. Like, the Bucks have the personnel to handle Philly well. Brooke Lopez has guarded Joel well in the past, so... It should be a fun matchup. James uh, will go against Drew Holiday. It's probably like the toughest matchup he's going to see all season. So we'll we'll see how he does against that. Right after doing pretty well against Marcus Smart, I should say. So another tough matchup for James. We'll see how he fares. And yeah, I mean, it should be a good game. These Again, Boston and Milwaukee are the two prime foes 
it looks like that Philly is going to have to overcome if they want to win the East. That's not to say you can ignore the Miamis or the Clevelands or the Brooklyns of the world, but Miami and Boston are the, the alpha dogs right now. And those are two teams that you have to be able to beat if you want to win the Eastern Conference and the NBA championship. So it's kind of a bit of a tough draw to play them back-to-back to open the season. But even if Philly comes out of these games 0-2, it's not the end of the world. But, yeah, I, I mean, these are good matchups, a good strength test early in the season for this team. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right that they, they match up pretty well against each other. Philly might be one of the few teams built to actually handle uh, Milwaukee and vice versa. Look, Joel and, and PJ have done good jobs on Giannis in the past. And like you said, Brooke Lopez can handle uh, Joel. Granted, another year older, Brooke Lopez is not a spring chicken. He must be what, like 33 now at least? He has to be getting up there, right, you're right? Because he was around... He was like a second-year player when KG and Paul Pierce got traded to the Nets, right? What are you talking about, Horford? No, no, Brooke Lopez. Oh, Brooke Lopez. Oh, yeah, he's he's old. 34. 34. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, so who knows? We might not get the Brooke Lopez we had two years ago because he was out with injury most of last year, and he's just – he's getting older now. So, you know, we might see a little bit more Bobby Portis. For my fantasy team's sake, I'm hoping so. Um <laughs> But no, I, I think this this if you tell me this could be a preview of the Eastern Conference Finals, I'm not gonna bat an eye at it. I think it's a total possibility. But at the same time, it's only the second game of the regular season for the Sixers, and I wouldn't put too much stock, like you said, if the Sixers come out 0-2 right now, because it's not the end of the world, it's the beginning of the season. Clearly, after game one, the chemistry is still an issue. And it's funny to say that, and they scored 117 points. Like We'll we'll figure it out, even if, like, we didn't win this one. As long as we, like, there were spurts of the game where we were leading, I would feel pretty good about it. Hey, Lucas, you're going to need more than um, Bobby Portis to help you out, buddy. I'm up 268 to 161. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (sighs) Man. Yeah, you had three, four people playing, including, uh, who was it in, uh, who was it in, in, uh, game uh first night of the game season um well i had i had a harden harden yeah harden was the one that harden went off yeah and tobias i had those two players yeah you had those two go off and uh i just i'm watching i have it on mute but i'm watching the uh, memphis knicks game and steven adams just got pegged in the head on he was like no he was walking to the bed to the you know the scores table and there was an errant pass that like pegged him right in the side of the head. I just saw the box score of the Nets game. Ben Simmons has two points in twenty minutes. Yeah, he's look. We it's can, his first game we, in we, a year, guys. Yeah, no, but Be nice. like, no. Be nice. <laughs> Be nice. We're Philly fans. Are we? Are, are, okay, Chris. Are supposed to be nice. Nice if we're Sixers fans. <laughs> I don't think so. Hey, look, I. I am personally invested in Ben Simmons' success this season. Yeah, I bet you are. Fantasy, so. ah, and that wasn't an auto draft. That was just uh, poor judgment. I I'm, I feel good about it. <laughs> Who was your All other right. choice besides Ben? What? Who was your other choice besides Ben when you chose Ben? I don't Who know. Was... I, I don't remember. 
That's not good, it Chris. It was Josh Giddy. He chose Simmons over Giddy. Oh, no, wait. I picked I Giddy. That's before. true. Um, <laughs> this, okay, side note. Giddy kind of reminds me of Hito Turkoglu, which is a good I thing. I have offered both of you great packages around Joel, and you both rejected it, so I'm questioning your fandom. But... Uh, <laughs> Look, Jokic is a better fantasy basketball player. I, I that's, that's feel like Siakam and Scotty Barnes, and you're like, no, but whatever. I have Siakam and Scotty Barnes. I know, oh. and you didn't give them up for Joel. That's a choice. That Who, okay, okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. You, you asked for those two plus uh, CJ McCollum for Joel and who? Other capable fantasy athletes. No, 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 hang on, we'll, we'll talk, let me propose a trade, just give me a little bit, okay, I've got a lot of stuff going on this week, i got a wedding to go to this week, weekend, okay, excuses, good, valid, valid excuses, anyway, um, let's, so Chris, let's, are we gonna be like, are we gonna be like, it, like looking closely at this game against Milwaukee, or is it just like the second game of the regular season? Like, no, how do you feel about sit it? Really far away from the TV, actually, and look at it from far away. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, of course, we'll be watching things closely. I will be fascinated to see how Joel bounces back. I, I would, I would like a good like fifty point Joel performance to right the ship and make everyone feel good. Um, that was a bad. That was a really long delay. Sorry about it. That was a good joke. I just the Thank button. You. Sorry. I appreciate it. I do my best. <laughs> um, I with James. Obviously, he has the ability to give us flashes of the old James. It'll be interesting as the season progresses. This isn't exactly a Milwaukee game issue, but like his durability and longevity. How does he look as the season goes on? Can he maintain the bursts and explosiveness that we saw on opening night? And yeah, look, I mean, there's a good chance MVP comes down to Joel and Giannis. Like, that's a very strong possibility. So how those two match up, we we could be setting the stage for a season of conversations around those two's performance and comparing them. So it should be a really fun game. I'm hoping that Joel bounces back. I'm reasonably confident that he will especially if he's still on my fantasy team because I know he wants to come through for me. So I'm very excited. Because it's all about you. It, it is. You know, I'm... It's, right. just, it's all it's all spring. By the way, Chris named his uh, fantasy team Springer Island. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's all about Springer Island. Anyway, but no, I, I think... So here's why I'm going to be looking at this closely. I'm going to be looking, like you said, the MVP race, because, look, the six, Joel, like, looked bad against Tatum, and we all agree Tatum's, like, a top-five MVP candidate. If he looks bad back-to-back against Giannis and Tatum, it's going to be hard to put himself back into the conversation. Uh, Well, I mean, look, Joel wasn't in the MVP conversation last year until, like, midway through the season. You know, he really turned it on after, like, January, February, so... I think that would be a little bit too far to go after two games. But they're both oh, – isn't the second – isn't tomorrow's game nationally televised too? It is, but – That seems like that matters. But, but that matters. Games. You're right. Am I wrong? Does that matter when they're nationally televised? I would think so. 
Yeah. For the MVP Look, voters? Yeah, I think so. Now, granted, like you said, you do MVP, have time. He does have time to recover, but is. it's not a good start. When we are talking about MVP in May, I can guarantee you we will not reference the first two games of the season. I, I, I don't just, know, man. They like, they held they held a, that he was really bad against Boston on opening night. I, I, just I mean don't... they've held they've held weirder things against them before. Like you missed a, a, some games due to COVID. They held that against him two years ago. He missed. That's because um, when you miss games to injuries or illness. No, 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 no. COVID, COVID is out of his control, and he was didn't so even it, have is COVID. It's an ACL, but when guys tear their ACL, they don't win MVP. <laughs> That's okay. Fair, fair, but. No, you, you you get my point. Like you shouldn't no, be held. It's not a weird thing to hold against them. We're just like searching for reasons to discredit Jokic. Anyways, uh, exactly. I'm glad that you finally caught uh, on. Uh, um, but no, no, no. That my other. So my other thing that I'm looking for closely at this game is because I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Middleton's out of this game, right? Because he's injured, he right? So that means you only have one elite perimeter defender. That mm-hmm. means they're going to have to decide who they want to go off, Harden or Maxi, Because most likely, if they're going to go for Harden, they're going to try to clamp Harden. And if Harden can still have a pretty decent game, like you're not going to have as good of a game as you did against the Celtics. But like if they can have, if he can have a pretty decent game, like I, I, I think, you know, first off, that would give me really good hope for Harden, like, keeping this up for longer than just a one or two games spurt here and there. And then, like, also, like, Maxi needs to – I like, we need more Maxi. Like, he had 16 shots in the last game, but I didn't feel like we had enough Maxi. Yeah, I mean, like, end of the day, 16 shots and 21 points is probably a pretty good number for Tyrese. Like, he – he was super not involved in the first half, but third quarter on, he was pretty pretty electric. So, I they did right the ship a little bit during the game. Uh, it'd be great if it didn't take until the third quarter every night, though, to get him involved. That's a, that's a fair gripe with Doc and with the offense in general. Um, but, yeah, look, James, I, I mean, I posted an interesting stat in the Slack. James dribbled like twice as much as anyone else in the NBA last night. So mm-hmm. James James had the ball in his hand a lot. And I think that's an interesting But I don't know I don't I don't know if that's the best thing for the Sixers offense though. Uh, yeah I, I don't know. Like look James James is awesome. I would say the results were quite positive. Like it'll be interesting to see how Joel and James adjust and play off of one another as the season goes on. Clearly that partnership specifically still has to get stronger, but when he's playing at that level, James Harden is like a true offensive superstar, like one of the best playmakers and creators in the game. You kind of do want to run your offense through him and running your offense through James has the capacity to make life a whole lot easier on Embiid. You can use James and leverage him to get Embiid easier looks. That's something the Sixers have to do better so uh, it, it, i'll say this if we get this james harden in the playoffs the sixers should, could have a real shot of winning it all absolutely like james i, I don't know how to say he was like mvp houston james but he was he was a top 10 play he looked like a top 10 player in the league yeah he was pretty high up there um yeah. so it, it very positive like if anything is gonna hold water Two months from now, it's probably the fact that James looked awesome more than the fact that Joel looked bad. So, 
it will be. Plus, yeah. It, it it will it should be a good game. Milwaukee's a very good team. Again, these teams are pretty evenly matched on paper. Uh, Drew Holiday, again, like James gave Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum two very good defenders. He gave them the business last night. So we'll see what mm-hmm. he does against Drew. I, I think there's a pretty credible argument that Drew, when he is locked in, is the best perimeter defender in the NBA. So that that's a good matchup for James. Uh, a good test for him and. It should be an entertaining game. You know, I had a thought here, and I think Uriah might actually get behind me on this. If the Sixers are going to win a title, should Joel Embiid be the the highest scoring player on the team? Yes. (laughs) Uriah, your thoughts? For them to make a run? To win the title. To win the title. Does he need to be the highest scorer? Yeah. Uh, I actually, I think he does, but I, I think that his, they just need less post-ups in my opinion, which would lower his, it would lower his, his output of numbers production wise. But I think he is, he is the ultimate, not decoy, but the focus, you know, the double teams will continue to come and hopefully he'll get better passing the ball out. But, I think this was just like he was yeah. a really good passer last year. I think this was just a bad game for him. Yeah, I I mean, look, should Joel score his points? Should his shot diet change? Should the way he scores his points change a little bit? Yes, but like, like, look, James at his peak in Houston, you could have argued he was the best player in the NBA. I I just don't think he's going to be quite at that level this season. So. Barring a true, like, unexpected return to form, which I just don't think is quite going to happen, Joel, we all agree, is a top five player. Like, Joel is probably the most physically dominant and hard to guard individual scorer in the NBA. He, he should be your number one scorer. Now, does he maybe need to improve his efficiency from the field and do different things and not post that from the elbow every time? Yes, absolutely. Should James have the ball in his hands more than we saw last year? And should James play a bigger role in how Joel Embiid scores his points this season? Yes. But if you want to win the title, I I don't think you're going to do that with James being your number one scorer. I think it still has to be Joel. Okay. I was just curious what you guys thought. I think we can go ahead and move on, Chris. Hey, look, I mean, two days ago, we were talking about Tyrese being the number two scorer instead of James. So I think this is a good good trend for James. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. All right. This, oh, hey, no. it's back. Uh, wow. Oof. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wonderful. All that is taken. So. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Lucas, I don't know how he does it. We're talking about Matisse Thibel again. Uh. The Sixers and Matisse did not agree to a contract extension, a rookie contract extension ahead of the deadline before the season. That means he will become a restricted free agent next summer, Lucas. Did you expect that to happen, or was this a bit of a surprise for you? I don't know if I I expect, like, I understand why it didn't happen. Do that again. It got a little glitchy. I said, um, I don't know if I um, expected it to happen or not, but I, I understand why it happened. 
Because look, if you think about it, the most that Thibel was looking to get probably was somewhere around the Nazir Little contract, which was four years, 28 million, which would have been a steal for the Sixers, but probably not what Matisse and his representation wanted for an all defensive player. But like, that's pretty much what he would be worth if I'm, am, am I wrong there, Chris? Cause I, I feel like that would be like a, uh, like, no, I, four I, years. Yeah, no, he's not getting any more than, than that for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, so if Matisse wants more, then I understand that this is kind of a prove-it year for Matisse. Because, like, with Ben, we made the excuse, oh, he'll get better as a three-point shooter. He'll get better. He'll get better. Well, it's time to shut up and put up because, like, this is the year to do it. Yeah. This this is the year. That's and, what I'm saying. People got to yeah. keep that same energy for Matisse, but they aren't. Um, <laughs> Hold up. Are you calling me out or Uriah? Because, like... No, I'm not calling anyone out. Okay, so mm-hmm. here's the thing. I... Yeah, I was not surprised at all. I, I think it really makes sense for, for both sides. I'm sure Matisse wanted more than what Philly is willing to give him. And why on earth would Philly extend a guy who's not in the rotation right now? Like, why why would they commit serious money to him? Like, what has Matisse done to earn that? I, I will go back to something Derek Bodner said on Twitter, and I think it's a good point. Like, we can talk all we want about the all-defensive teams, but, like, Matisse straight up does not have those if the Sixers have any sort of real depth. So it was kind of a he's obviously a brilliant defender, but he has played so much by necessity and because the Sixers were a poorly constructed team. Now that they have real depth, he played 24 seconds against Boston. You know? That Daniel House really lit the house on fire. Man, that guy was so good last night. Two points, 20 minutes, man. No, one point. I think he scored one point. I'm sorry. He did have two steals, though. Yeah, I mean, like, if if we want Matisse to come in and boost the offense, we're in a bad spot. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, Matisse just hasn't earned a significant contract extension. I will talk now. Like, what percentage... Do we what's our like percentage on whether or not he gets traded by the deadline, Lucas? I for me, I I think it's pretty high. Yeah, look, I I think the Sixers clearly they tried to trade him over the summer. Like the reporting was that they talked to basically every team about Matisse. They clearly wanted to trade him, and I I still think they probably do because if you can get a real rotation level player who can help you win this year in the playoffs, I think that would be the smart move for Philly. Clearly, Matisse's future with the team is just not particularly bright right now. Like, like the path forward is pretty murky. So, it would make sense to trade him. I, I think Matisse would benefit from a fresh start, perhaps with the worst team that can give him the minutes that he needs to work on his offense and get his three-point shot down, get more reps in. So, I, I think we're probably like fifty-fifty is probably the best way to phrase it because nothing's guaranteed mm-hmm. they tried to trade him all summer and didn't so it's clearly not the easiest thing in the world to find a deal that suits both sides because you don't want to give him up for nothing he's still a 25 year old who plays elite like singularly good defense but i yeah. love how chris he emphasizes that singularly good defense every time it's like singularly yeah, it's a weird word. <laughs> um, yeah, like, he's really good on defense. No one's going to deny that. You can't just give him up for pennies on the dollar. But, uh, I mean, with inflation, Matisse isn't worth that much 
in general right now. He's, you know, I don't, it's a bad financial metaphor that I don't have the intelligence to make, but <laughs> the dollar is not doing too well in Matisse Thibel land. So they should look to trade him. They will look to trade him and we will see what happens is my general stance on Matisse. I, I don't think he's going to be with the team next season. Like straight up, if I had to guess, he, he's on a different team. How's that inflation on Springer Island, Chris? It's great. Springer's <laughs> awesome. He is the next Matisse. He is the next guy who can't shoot but defends really well that we yeah. spend three years arguing about. So very excited for that to happen. But, yeah, I, I just don't think Thibault's going to be at the team next year. I don't know if you disagree, Lucas. I know you're right. I, 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 I don't know, man. I, like, I honestly, like, his future with the team is 50-50. The trade is 50-50. They have an open roster spot now. They're clearly probably they're probably not going to use it on a free agent. Doesn't mean I won't write about it, but like they're probably not going to use it on a free agent, which means they're waiting for a trade to open up so that they have an extra roster spot. Or like if they're going to use it on free agent, won't be until the buyout market happens. So like it's I don't I don't I don't know if you tell me that him Cork Maz and Jaden Springer are going to be traded by the trade deadline, I'm not going to be surprised. And on that note, let's go ahead and finish up with the Lakers-Warriors game. Warriors got their rings and the win last night in the only other game that happened. Anything that stood out to you from that other national televised game last night, Chris? Um, yeah, Lakers, not very good, huh? <laughs> Lakers, um, LeBron, LeBron James. 31-10. Yeah. 31, 15, and 8 for LeBron, and they lost by 14. Not the best sign, you know. Mm-hmm. You don't want that outcome if you're the Lakers. Uh, I, I think Golden State is a pr- has a pretty strong chance to run it back in the West, at least. That's just a really good team. Like, Wiggins is just an awesome player now, which is really nice to see. Um, Clay looked okay. Draymond, you know, was was whatever, but Steph, 33 points, seven dimes, four steals. You'll take it. Steph is an awesome player, and he's still a superstar level guy who can lead you to a championship. So Golden State is one of the front runners, if not the front runner in the West right now, and the Lakers clearly are not. And it's just one game. You can't overreact to one game. Uh, Denver is getting the roof blown off them by Utah right now. Oh, boy. Um, But... Yeah, the Lakers need to do something with Russell Westbrook. That's just not going to work out. <laughs> okay, but, like, let's look at the Russell Westbrook game. He had 19 points, 11 rebounds, only three assists, but they want him to be mm-hmm. more off-ball. Like, and they lost, and he's totally miserable. <laughs> oh, he's totally miserable, yeah. But it's not like he was the reason why they lost. They lost because Rob Palenka ruined their depth by trading for him in the first place. Mm-hmm. They should have never traded for like it's not his fault. I will say it's not Russell Westbrook's fault. Like he is who no. he is. You can't expect him to change. Well, well, I mean, you can expect he needs to change. Like he needs to change. It is partially his fault for not adjusting. Okay, and not okay but like Chris, he can't shoot. Like he's never been a good shooter. You expect I'm him to be this late in his turn into look. Look at you guys. Oh, he can't shoot. 
he does other things well. He he doesn't have to get better at shooting. Look at you guys. You okay, but like Westbrook won an MVP. All right, and broke the wait, triple wait. couple record. Anyways, what are you talk about anyways, anyways. <laughs> I don't like anyways. Russell Westbrook one bit. I'm just saying. Don't bring like, me in this conversation. Uh, all right. I, I'm just saying, like, look, I I don't think the reason why they lost was Westbrook's fault. He should be traded, but not because like he did bad. It's just like the no. Team- he was fine in this one game, but yeah. broadly speaking, in the broader context of Laker basketball, Russell Westbrook does not fit, and that is clearly just not a good situation for either him or the team. You know, honestly, how much you want to bet that at some point they're going to ask him to go home? Uh, it's like, they, possible. I, I think, like, if they're bad enough, they'll either ask him to go home or they'll, like, buy him out. Yep. It, it could just, happen. Just trade him for Mike Conley. Just do the like they're not gonna. No, nobody's gonna trade him unless they get picks back, and they don't want to send out picks unless they're getting like significantly better. But nobody's gonna do a trade where the Lakers get better, like significantly better. That's fair, but he's also an expiring contract. I, I feel like there's a way to do it. There has to be, but we will see. You know, I. I I just I'm not very good. confident in the Lakers. That was my takeaway from this game. Oh, yeah, no, the Lakers looked awful. They like, are Anthony in... Davis and LeBron had really good – like, their big three had a, overall not not bad games. It's just the rest of their depth is crap. Yeah, like and bad vibes in Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, like, Pelicans are beating Brooklyn by 20 right now. That's fun. Um yeah, Utah's up by 18 on Denver. That's pretty funny. Charlotte is knocking the doors off of San Antonio. Um, I'm just Memphis is only up four against the Knicks with yeah. a minute left. Uh, By the way, I'll say this, Isaiah Hardenstein, pretty good player. He's awesome. I'm, I'm yeah. on the hunch tension. Like, he, he does not look like he should be that good, especially, like, his, like, his posture, like, not trying to bash the guy, but, like, he could have back problems when he gets older. But, like, in all seriousness, though, like, he, he's outplayed Mitchell Robinson in this game that I've been watching. Um, Yeah, no. Just, um, wow, I still can't believe. what. How many How many points has Ben Simmons scored? The, the Nets only have a minute 22 left. We know Ben's not going to score in the fourth quarter because he's afraid to touch the ball. Not I think he has, he has five he has four fantasy points. points. All right, he, he has, has four five points, fantasy points. Five yeah. rebounds, five assists, and he fouled out in 23 minutes. It's fine. He it's fouled okay. out? He fouled it's out. Okay. Wow. It's fine. It's a, his first game in like two years. Cut him some slack. Um, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. He makes a little too much yeah, money yeah, to be yeah. getting so much. Fouled slack. out. Right. And, Let's in talk about how minutes. awesome Zion is instead. I mean, that's true. How about we wrap things up? Okay, all minutes. right. You don't think the listeners want to hear about Zion? Mm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think... I'm wrapping it up. To all our listeners, this is me wrapping it up. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sixers Sense Podcast. As always, please like, subscribe, and follow along. We are on Apple, Google Play. Audible and Spotify. Give us five stars if you can. It would really help us out. Leave a review. Let us know what you think, what you want us to talk about, all that good stuff. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook at Sixer Sense or on the web, 
thesixersense.com. That's a cool website. You should check it out. And until next time, go Sixers. Peace out. Powered by Riverside.